Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 37. Today, I'll be interviewing Alicia Trotwine, the creator of The Mom Kind. She is a writer and serial motivational speaker. Raised in Mississippi, she now lives in St. Louis, Missouri with her husband and four children. On her blog, she shares the ups and downs of raising three autistic children while being on the autistic spectrum herself. When she's not working with her children or website, you can find her at church or curled up with a good book. So thank you so much for being here today, Alicia. Absolutely. So the, how I found Alicia was that I, I found her on Instagram and I just, I loved her message. I just love your, um, I don't know, the way that you're presenting information. I just find you really positive and open. And I think you could be a really good resource for a lot of parents um, because, you know, as a speech pathologist, I work with a lot of families and I know how, how hard it is. And, um, I know how much people struggle. And I think one of the big things is that people feel alone a lot, you know, like they're all alone in this. Um, and I think a lot of people really find, um, just online support, very, very helpful. Um, so I wanted to get your, you know, I just wanted to get your mission out there, your website and your social media, because I think you're doing some wonderful things. Um, so I guess like my first question was, you know, maybe you could just share a little bit about the challenges in raising children with autism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's lots of ups and downs, of course. Um, one of the biggest challenges that I've seen, and just kind of for myself and pretty much any parent I've talked to is getting the right resources. You know, each child's different. So, you know, even though, yes, all three of my children share a diagnosis, how autism affects them is very different from child to child. And so getting them the right resources that are going to help them and then the right resources at school is pretty much the biggest struggle I've had. Right. And what I always say to, to somebody, just because I've been working with um, children and adults with autism for over 20 years, is that when you meet one child with autism, you meet one child with autism. Absolutely. That, you know, everybody is just so different. And I think every parent's experience is so different. And then one of the things, just because I see um, people across the lifespan, you know, I see kids all the way from, you know, um, early intervention all the way up to adulthood. And I would say most of my caseload um, is children with autism. And so one of the things I've seen is that, you know, at one stage you're having, you know, certain issues, but then as the kids get older, you have different challenges. Oh, so true. Yeah. I mean, then we've got, you know, our youngest now with autism is five. Our oldest is 13. And so what they need is extremely different based on age. So how does that work? Is you're homeschooling your children, right? Well, no, I'm, uh, we went to public school um, because the girls wanted to get some social interaction. And so uh, we've had to balance a whole bunch, though, even still at home. Uh, because, you know, they're, we have visual schedules up throughout our entire house that are all different for child. 
Um, and then there's certain resources that are the same per child, you know, teeth brushing routines and things like that. That's the same no matter what age you are. And so it's been kind of fun to kind of change things up a little bit as we go too, um, because we're trying to learn uh, and kind of teach um, that transition into changes. So when things don't exactly go as planned, um, because as you probably know already, that's kind of a big struggle for most um, people on the spectrum is, you know, transitions into change is huge. And uh, so we've been working a lot on that lately. And so um, it's a balancing act, <laughs> to say the least. It doesn't always go smoothly. Uh, everybody's needs are very different. So there are times where you can't avoid a few meltdowns, um, but it's just about having patience and learning to work through it. And you mentioned the visual supports because I, you know, that's one thing that I always talk to parents about is about having those visual supports available because they could be so helpful for transitions and just for like, you know, just for communication. So could you talk about a little bit more about that and, um, you know, how you make your visual supports and where you have them in the home and how they're helpful? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's honestly different per child, but kind of talk more, I guess, on the littlest ones ones to make it easier but yeah so we have visual schedules pretty much in each room in the house including the bathroom especially with a little one who's um still kind of learning the potty training um aspect and so you know like for a bathroom one we actually have you know step by step um we try to make it not weird graphic but like it's still like you know you have a picture of the toilet you have a picture of pulling the toilet seat up um, you know, a picture of the handle to point out, you know, flushing afterwards. And so each schedule, you know, is obviously different for a child. We have also, so we have schedules that are, you know, visuals that are for individual tasks, but then we also have daily schedule ones as well. Um, so we have like the morning routine schedules in each room, each child's bedroom so that they know exactly what's expected in the mornings because mornings can be one of the most hectic things when you're trying to get ready for school. And so uh, what we do is, so my 13-year-old prefers kind of like a checklist. Um, she doesn't really need necessarily the pictures, but she does need an actual schedule written out for her. Um, my 11-year-old, though, we do still use pictures, and we actually did a magnet board for the mornings. Um, and a lot of the pictures I get, you know, you're, you can get uh, – free pictures online, or you can kind of like draw up something um, in like a paint document or whatever, you know, you have on your computer. Um, and we do like a picture of a bed and we'll say, you know, and that's the one that's for making their bed. Um, and just different little, you know, pair of shoes, clothing, a laundry basket, you know, and I just put everything together to make little schedules so that I, she can take them and move them from incomplete to complete. Right, exactly. I mean, so a lot of the, the visual supports that I use, you know, I'll use BoardMaker, but that's also subscription. Uh, Lesson Picks is another one that, you know, parents out there could also use for schedules. Smarty Symbols is another one. But then also like Teachers Pay Teachers, you know, just thinking out yeah. there for parents that um, may not, you know, be, let's say with their, they're maybe limited with how they can make the visuals and they just need to print it out. Yeah. Um, that's, that's another resource as well. But I, I, 
I agree with you in the fact of how important the schedules are. And I even with a lot of the kids that I work with, especially my older kids, is that, you know, advocating for a schedule because a lot of times people may not know that they need a schedule and it makes them feel safe to know, you know, what they're going to be doing at that moment when they're going to be finished um, and what they have to do. And so schedules, you know, and also just, you know, there's also some apps as well. I don't know if you know Choice Works, but that's another one that I use a lot that is a schedule that is, you know, it's just an app on the iPad that could also be effective. Um, So, yeah, but I think it's really helpful for parents out there to know because schedules, you know, could come in all different forms. And like you said, you just, you know, you're kind of, you're looking at each child and which uh, schedule you find to be the most effective for them. And it could also change over time. So, you know, for a child who's using pictures when they're younger, as they get older, they may need more of a checklist or like a written schedule. Absolutely. And even our oldest, who's 17 and uh, has an ADHD diagnosis, you know, she still uses schedules. She loves having, you know, that visual checklist just to say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing today. This is what I'm supposed to be staying on track with. You know, it's just a huge help to have, like you said, for adults as well as children. Yeah. I mean, cause when we think about it as adults, we also have our schedule, you know, we have a written schedule, whether it's in a planner, you know, like me, which is kind of old school. Um, or, you know, we could have it on our, on our phone also our schedule and then, you know, our to-do lists and all that stuff. So I think when I bring it to the attention of staff and parents, like, you know, we all have it. We just don't even realize like how many written schedules that we have available, whether it's, you know, like on a piece of paper or whether it's, you know, on our phones. So one of the things I'd love for you to talk about is just like your mission of your website and, you know, how that started and, you know, your journey with it. Yeah, absolutely. So our autism diagnoses came uh, kind of different than most people would expect knowing the ages of my children. Um, Our son actually received the very first diagnosis. The girls had been going to doctors since they were two, but no one had pinpointed that it was autism. Once my son received his diagnosis at 23 months, uh, about six weeks later, my uh, youngest daughter received her diagnosis at age eight. And it was about that time where I had, you know, spent my life, I've had, my um, younger brother's also autistic, you know, and so... I've known how autism affects boys. I've learned that over the years. I've done a lot of work in that area. But when it came to girls, I was wondering, like, well, what difference should I be looking for? What should I be doing different? And when going online to search for stuff, I couldn't find anything. The most I found at that point in time was uh, one blog post that a lady had done writing down her own symptoms and how autism affected her. And so I realized at that point, you know, we have a story to share. We had been doing different things all along anyway. And so I decided to start sharing our story. And that kind of transpired into um, what the website is today. Um, From there, obviously, my um, next oldest daughter got her diagnosis and I got mine as well. Um, And so sharing our journey became a big thing. I realized that so many parents are struggling with just knowing that, like you said, that there's someone else out there, that they don't have to be alone. 
And the big thing with the website is that we just want to make sure everybody gets those resources um, because there is so much free information out there, but it's hard to know what to look for even. Because if you don't understand autism, how are you going to ask the right questions to get the answers you need sometimes? Yeah, exactly. I think what I see is like a lot of parents being overwhelmed and there's just so much information online. It's also hard to know like what they should be reading, what they shouldn't be reading. Um, um, but I also think, you know, just having other parents out there that are going to do the same thing to share the resources is just so important. Um, and that, that kind of leads me to my next question because I also see that you're an autism coach. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, about, you know, when you started to do that and, um, and also as a, you're also a speaker as well. So yeah. If, yeah. So go ahead. If you could just talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. So um, a little over a year ago, I started um, actually coaching after I'd had so many people come to me and I was coaching, um, just wasn't calling it what it was <laughs> uh, because it was just the free information giving out. Um, so I had uh, worked when I was working outside and had been working specifically to hire um, young autistic adults to get them the kind of first step into uh, workforce. Oh, nice. And so I've been working with a lot of people for quite some time, but the coaching and speaking came because like you said, there's so many resources out there that parents don't know about. And it's just so hard to find them because while a lot of these resources are completely free, some may cost, they're not always advertised. And then doctors will give you as much information as they can. But if you're just seeing a doctor, you're not seeing like a speech, you know, pathologist like yourself, um, and you're just seeing a doctor, you don't know even sometimes where to go, whether your child does need speech or occupational therapy, or, you know, if your local community has uh, direct autism resources. And so I started coming into talking about things like that. Um, just because there are so many people that need to know the information. The other thing, um, the reason I kind of got more into coaching too is, while here in America, we have some amazing resources all throughout the world. Those resources aren't there. And I've had so many parents reach out from um, smaller countries that they have either very little resources or autism is almost considered taboo. Right. So, so you, so you also offer your services online because yes. not only in person, but I guess that's the other wonderful thing is that you could also reach people in different countries um, who may not have those resources. So that's something that you would set up through your website. Yes, absolutely. And so um, we have a tab right off the front page um, where you can click on um, just the home button and you'll see the coaching sessions to check that out. Um, and I do offer a free consultation um, as a first thing, because I want to make sure that when I'm coaching you, that we're a good fit because not everybody's going to have the same beliefs or the same um, kind of thoughts of where things are going to go. So I would never want to coach someone where we're not going to reach good conclusions. Cause the whole point of it is to help you get the resources that you need to help your child. Right. And so one of the things that really interested me that I, you know, I'm very interested in is just about transition into the workforce, like what you said. Yeah. I think a lot of um, 
I think a lot of like older, older kids who were transitioning out of high school um, and graduating, you know, that's a very challenging time. You know, finding the right program um, or if they want to enter the workforce, what that's like. Um, so does I also include, you know, part of your, like your coach coaching sessions would be transition as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, it definitely comes into play on that when we get to the older kids, because like you said, it's so hard. It's hard enough for pretty much any teenager to get into the workforce sometimes. And so, um, one thing that I had watched, uh, my own little brother struggle with getting into the workforce, because even though there were resources available because the budgets are so small on a lot of these free resources that only the most necessary cases are going to get the help that they need. Right, right. And what, what advice would you give to parents about, you know, say they have their child and they're in their transitional ages and, you know, about entering the workforce or, you know, what kind of, do you have any advice for parents oh, yeah, who are struggling with that? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I would first start looking at is one, you probably by now have noticed, if, even if it's not, you might be subconsciously noticing, but locations around your community that hire autistic adults. Um, we have grocery stores here. Um, I'm in Missouri. And so we have um, a chain called Snooks that they actively work to hire autistic adults and to help them get into the workforce. That's great. Yeah. And so I'm, if you're watching these things, the other thing, um, big thing I would say is sit down with your child and see what they're interested in and see what the pace of work that they're wanting. Because a child might, you know, I say child, but teenager, uh, <laughs> might, you know, some might be more than happy to be in a very social situation where they're interacting with, you know, customers that come and go. And others might say, yeah, I don't want something like that. And you might look into something that's more, you know, like a factory or someplace that does like, you know, building stuff. You know, you just need to see what their individual desires are before even looking for a job. Right, exactly. And I think that has to also be meaningful to them. Because I always, you know, I always think about like purpose, you know, yeah. whether, you know, whether, whether there's anybody, you know, we all want to feel like we're contributing. So I think part of that job selection is finding something that that particular individual is, you know, motivated by that they're good at, that they're good at, but also could be a little bit challenging. I think yeah, also, yeah. I think sometimes what I've seen is that some things are too rote, you know, like it's not challenging enough. Cognitive. Yeah. And you get bored you with know? it. Give up. Yeah. We would just like, I think that's one thing is like, you know, one of the things that I always push, let's say my clients to do is to, you know, kind of go above and beyond that. Okay. You're doing this job. You've done it. Let's add a new skill. Let's look for a new kind of thing to do so that we're constantly stimulating um, cognitively just because I feel like there's so many skills that people that people could have and they could use. Um, so I don't know. That's on my end. Um, but yeah, that's great. I mean, I, also, I think that could be very helpful, your coaching sessions for a lot of parents out there. Um, and one of the questions I had was about your ebook. Can you talk a little bit more about your ebook and, you know, what it's about and how, and how people could access it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote an ebook, um, and it's a free copy that anyone can get. Just um, you go to the website, and there's a button you can click there. Otherwise, um, you can go to themomkind.com slash ebook. We'll take you directly there as well, and it's completely free. And it's I compile a lot of everything <laughs> into it, basically help parents that are start, basically, specifically those starting on their journey um, with us. So you've received a recent diagnosis and you're just wondering what to do and how to do it. Um, and so that's what that ebook is for, is just to give those, you know, initial resources, things that you might be wondering, or maybe you don't know that you need to know yet. <laughs> Right, right. And understanding the different topics because there is, like you said, there's so much, you know, just even, you know, knowing that, you know, speech therapy is an option. You know, that's a lot of parents don't realize that right away because they see autism and they don't think, oh, speech therapy, that could be helpful. How? And they don't, because they just think, oh, maybe that's for a stutter. And that's not what all speech therapy about, you know, there's so much to do with, you know, just understanding speech and understanding interactions. Exactly. And I think one of the, one of the common things that happens, cause you know, I work, I, I specialize in augmentative communication, augmentative communication. So augmentative alternative communication, AAC. So I think a lot of people misunderstand, misunderstand speech as being, like, Oh, my child doesn't speak. So why would they see a speech pathologist? Right. right. But what we work on is communication. Um, so even when a child, let's say, is minimally verbal or nonverbal or maybe just even unintelligible. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's a great resource for parents that this ebook and it's also free, um, which I think is just wonderful to have as a resource. So I will also include that in the description of the podcast. So if for anyone out there who wants to download the ebook, there will be a link. Um, and you could go check that out on my website. Um, so Alicia, is there anything else that you want to add before we finish up today? Huh? You know, I think we covered a lot today, um, but there's always a ton of information that I'm adding to the website for everyone to check out. Um, because it's an ongoing conversation. It's kind of one of those things where you can't wrap it up in one podcast or even 50. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. And so yeah, it's just one of those things where I think the biggest thing I would like to tell parents is if you have a question, ask it. You know, a lot of times I think we all feel a little silly sometimes. We have a question and we think, oh, that's too silly of a question to ask. And there's never a wrong question. And if you don't know something, ask someone, whether it is, you know, one of us, reaching out to one of us, your doctor, child's doctor, a teacher, a friend, you know, look for those resources. Right, right, right. I, I totally agree with you because I think, you know, asking questions and getting the information because that's what it's all about, is about um, when you have the information, then you could advocate more effectively. Exactly. That's what I always tell parents. Because I think, you know, I think what a lot of people do is that they don't want to get their questions out there. or They feel like, oh, well, I don't know if I should ask that because I should already know it. Um, but yeah, I agree with you too, is just getting out there. And also maybe could you just talk about your social media as well so people could connect with you that way as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, pretty much on any social media, um, we're at the mom kind. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, even Pinterest. And yeah, each platform shares a little bit different. So it's really dependent on the style of social media you personally prefer, but I am on all of them. 
And so Instagram's fun, obviously, is that's where you found me um, because that's where we kind of share the behind the scenes into our own life. Right. And just right, that, right. you know, hey, if there's a real person behind this website. <laughs> and then Twitter has been more of our conversation place that we've had a ton of great conversations there um, and great questions. Like people are more apt to ask questions on Twitter, which is so fun. And then Facebook, we're all on. I think that we're going to date ourselves there, but Facebook was our, you know, our big social media. So we're all still there. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So that's great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I think that, you know, I'm just really impressed with, you know, with your mission, your website and everything that you've done and, Um, I just want to thank you so much for sharing this information for parents because I think it could be very, very helpful for them. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. Mealtime.